It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. You know who this is? He went all the way up to Buffalo to train his mentor was Rick James. Oh, yeah. Eddie Murphy. Am I right, Rich? That's right. Eddie Murphy, one hit wonder. I'm Rick James. Let's listen. (laughs) By the way, once you pump it up to the chorus, we'll be here all day (laughs) waiting for the Mary Jane girls. Look at this. This, Yeah, this... This might not be the the best lead-in song for Rick. Oh, here, 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 here's Eddie. One hit wonder. Joe Piscopo's pal, Eddie Murphy. Never sang after this. Yeah, I think stick to comedy, pal. <laughs> well, I was organizing the Guardian Angels in Buffalo at the time. And Rick James was Mr. Buffalo. He grew up in the projects there. He had this big spread in Orchard Park right near Buffalo Bill Stadium. And so the chapter leader there goes, let's go visit Rick James. I say, you know Rick James? He goes, yeah, I grew up with him in the projects. I said, okay. So we go there. We weren't able to gain entrance, but there was Rick James with Eddie Murphy and the Mary Jane girls, and they were doing like a video outside near the pool, you know, near the lawn. This is when Rick James was like number one, right, second right. to none. And he was grooming Eddie Murphy to be a singer. And that was it. One hit wonder. Wait a This was when Rick – I just assumed this was like some midlife, mid-career crisis by Eddie Murphy. He was playing – I mean – he didn't really give much effort into being a... Well, for a year he did. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like, remember when Michael Jordan left basketball and went to play minor league baseball for about two years with the Birmingham right, minor right, league that's team? Right. Same thing. So he leaves acting. He leaves Saturday Night Live. He wants to be a singer. He goes up, of all places, to Buffalo, hangs out with yeah. the Mary Jane girls. Finds the one swimming pool in Buffalo. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. And it was all downhill after that. But I must congratulate you. I understand that you have just completed 25 of your own separate in-the-middle programs here at WABC. That's right. Now, I understand that if I continue at this present rate until I am 194 years old, I will catch up to your total airtime the last month. That's how far behind I am. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, lucky you don't have Frank Morano giving you an award. My God, is he still talking there at Cipriani's? So I, I have to say, you know, that was some high-level jujitsu he did. So for those of you who, who had not heard the story before, you know, we had this amazing gala dinner organized by John and, and Margot Katsimatidis. Chad Lopez did an amazing job. The whole gang here was really involved in putting on a great, great dinner in, in, included was inductions into the WABC Hall of Fame. Cousin Brucey got a studio here named after him, and one of the honorees was none other than my co-host, Curtis Sliwa. And um, in a rather interesting counter-programming move by Chad Lopez, they asked 
Frank Morano to come up. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, this is like yeah. get the two rivals. This was a very WWE wrestling move. I thought this was clever. And I didn't quite see what was going to happen until Frank Morano goes into mo- minute 41 of his introduction <laughs> of what was supposed to be a handoff. I say some nice things and let the honoree have a few two words. Minutes. Two minutes. And the one, the one thing that, that unified the room is when at the beginning John Katzenfetidis says, don't worry, we're not going to have a lot of speeches. This is going to be bang, bang, in and out. Everyone clapped, Everyone, including Curtis Lewa, yes. right? You were into it, too. Well, because we were going to have entertainment all night. We Correct. had Tony Orlando. We had uh, uh, Madunio, who's coming up. Uh, so the first sign of problems was, as Marano was going on and on and on, I see Curtis tearing up pages of his remarks, because he went down from 13 pages of typewritten single space to as Marano was speaking, and it turned out to be clearly strategy. Because Morano was burning clock, burning clock, burning clock. Right, eating up time. And by the time out the clock. by the time Curtis Lewa got on there, he, by the way, Curtis was a trooper because he did keep his remarks brief. We had, uh, but it was clearly strategy. You got, I got to say, you got to reload, man. You got to get even. As you know, I'm on Cur- Team Curtis. Yes, you yes, know, yes. I'm on Team Curtis. So you got to let me know. We got to, we got to meet that guy here in the studio one morning at 4:30 and kneecap that guy. Oh, He's, absolutely. By the way, you notice. He ate up uh, a good 28 minutes of, of time, which is like what the whole program was supposed to be, 25 Correct. total minutes. There were like seven awards. Well, what, is it, what have we learned about Marana? One thing he knows, he knows how to like just stretch out something for a, yeah. And but, he went on and on. And, and then he's telling, oh, Curtis Lee, a newspaper boy of the year. What the hell did that have to do with radio? Yes, he went back quite a ways. But let's not step on the lead here. You were honored. Wait a minute. I just realized you were honored for 28 years? 28 years. What kind of an award is Here. 28 years? Well, 28 years at WABC, I 33 years total. Still, uh, another, I did depart a few years. Another odd number, though. Yes. Another odd number. Very guess, odd. Yeah. <laughs> so, and But I've done 25 episodes, and which is roughly the same number of co-hosts that you've had over yes. your career, 25. That is, that so. is correct. <laughs> That is totally correct, Anthony. It works out. Now, Anthony, I just came back with uh, Anthony, uh, my oldest son. We came from the annual Labor Day parade up Fifth Avenue. A lot of uh, labor unions parading, very few spectators. Uh, You see, this... The whole tone of this parade has changed from when I was a young boy, 1960, I remember... My father, lifelong member of the National Maritime Union, 54 years, a merchant seaman. And I remember marching with him and all of his uh, union uh, delegates. And the place was packed, and there were lots of people watching. And I think, if I remember correctly, JFK was running against Nixon. He didn't show up for the parade, but he showed up for the picnic afterwards. Because then they all went for a picnic. All the different unions would have a picnic. Now they go up Fifth Avenue. There's a few tourists. They were asking me, what's this? I said, it's the union parade. They said, wow, there's not many people here. And it just seems like it's lost its mojo. And the politicians don't realize that if you want all the union people to see you, don't march in the parade. Just stand on the sideline, you know, on the side of the barricade where you're facing the street. And you can go up to all the union people as they're passing by. All of them are going to see you as opposed to if you walk. Nobody's going to see it. Probably nobody will even know that you were in the parade. Or the pro move, which is to march at the front, a little bit apart from the politicians, knowing that mostly the crowd will not have formed yet, 
and then you walk back along the side of the parade doing what you're suggesting, yes. which is everyone sees you then go back. Then you get at the tail end of the parade, so the crowd is now fully formed, and you walk it again. But, yeah, it really has lost its mojo. I mean, look, they, they had to make a decision at some point whether to do this on Labor Day weekend anymore, and it was deemed that we had lost the battle against the, the way this had just become a day off for people. Um, and that's regrettable because there actually is a mini resurgence happening among the labor movement. It's still private sector unions are basically non-existent. Public sector unions are having a little bit more. But you've heard stuff about about lay, uh, organizing in Amazon and organizing at Starbucks. Like there are this this notion of the younger generation starting to discover the power of, of unionization. So this is actually not a terrible time for um, uh, for organized No, labor. and I hate Howard Schultz, fellow Canarsie. I grew up in the Bayview Housing Projects ever since he called me a fascist when he was thinking of running as an independent candidate for president. A double oofa to him. I high-fived all those, those new union workers who have organized Starbucks. Why did he take a run at you? Because uh, there was a call, there was um, someone in the audience, WABC listener, said, oh, Curtis talks about how he grew up with you at the Bayview Housing Projects, Ganassi. What do you think of uh, Curtis? He goes, oh, he's a fascist. Wow. Man. That was, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty hot. Yeah, pretty I hot. mean, boom. So you're going to call me a fascist, Howard, when I used to see you go down Flatlands Avenue into the Lucchese Social Clubs looking to play cards because you were a degenerate card player? Huh? 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 But anyway. Well, so well, I, but wait a minute. And. Fast forward to last week where I called you an anti-fascist. That is correct. There you go. (laughs) But I was high-fiving those new union guys and gals for also Chipotle. Chipotle's organizing. So you have Starbucks organizing. And you also have, as you mentioned, oh, they had a huge float. Jeff Bezos was a pig smoking a cigar. It was great. They were calling it. The Teamsters were calling out Jeff Bezos. And all of them have, have basically taken the attitude how dare you? You organize a union, and we're going to close the store. We're going to close the warehouse. So Bezos acts like, oh, you're going to organize a union? Like in Staten Island, we're going to close that warehouse. Same thing with Howard Schultz, Mr. Liberal Progressive, except when you organize right, a union, right. you take a vote, you win the union. He closes down the stores. He says, well, we're closing some of these stores because of the quality of life problems we're having in the store. Bull feathers. It's because they decided to unionize and they have a shop steward. Yeah, but this, but 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 again, you know, these are young people who these are not places that the big unions went in and said, "Let's organize no. these." These are things that kind of grew up organically, yep. and they're getting the help of the of the more institutional labor guys. This is not a bad moment for organized labor, but it's a, it's a shame that the parade was was uh, was sparsely. Well, there were two situ- Well, actually, three. Uh, my son, Anthony, big supporter of the Ukraine, always shows up with the big Ukrainian flag. Most of the union people didn't recognize the flag. Some did. One guy went totally nuts. He was like a Putinite. He's screaming at Anthony, and I'm yelling at him, and I'm saying, Hey, Zelensky's doing pretty good, huh? That counteroffensive's really working. He goes absolutely out of his mind. Anthony held his ground. He did not get into the fracas. That's number one. Then the guild passes by. This represents, you know, the writers for newspapers, right. magazines. There are less and less of them because a lot of them uh, have closed shop. So there's a young woman. She's got the bullhorn in the front. And she goes, oh, there's Curtis Sliwa. And, you know, some of the guild members wave. And then she goes, yeah, he hates journalists. I go nuts out of my <laughs> mind. I go running up to her. What the hell are you talking about, lady? Do you realize that you folks barely wrote about me in the mayoral election? You know, it was a slam dunk for Eric Adams. What do you mean I hate? I'm the last person who actually go out and get hard copy of the newspapers. I've helped try to save newspapers. 
So some of the old-timers in the guild say, yeah, yeah, Curtis, man, he's, like, collecting newspapers all over the place. He knows every You were journal. delivering them. Right, right. She she would not surrender. She would not retreat. You hate journalists. You hate journalists. Like, what What did I do to deserve this? Then your mommy's union, the UFT, everything was fine. Mogul comes up to me. I'm no friend of Mogul, the champion, shakes my hand. Thanks for being here. Then an old autococker comes up to me when they're stopping because, you know, they let the traffic go through in the St. Patrick Cathedral. So haven't you gotten a job yet? <laughs> well, uh, don't you ever plan on working in your life? So he's trying to agitate me. And I'm saying, you know, you're the teacher that I hated at Builder C Junior <laughs> High School. He goes, how did you know I worked at Builder C? And then we got into this long oh, no kidding. conversation. That's funny. I had no idea you worked at Builder C. I just think there's a couple of funny things about the story. One journalists are care because they're not loved. Just do your job. Just do your journalist yeah. job. Do you care if people like you or not? But, uh, but, yeah, you see, you're a little bit of a Roysetz test in reverse for people. Yes. Like they kind of, like, don't quite know what to make of you, and so they put into you what they kind of think you are. But but I think what people, listeners to you and listeners to this show especially know is that you're a complicated dude. You're You're not all one thing. You're not a... You're not in the bag for Trump. Even you've been critical of your own party from time to time. And so, yeah, well, the best ones were 1199 because, you know, they're a very left wing outfit, predominantly, I would say, African-American, West Indian. And a lot of women were coming up to me from 1199. Some of the shop stewards were like, yo, come on, you don't want to be taking pictures with it. We was we was his nurse. We were, we were his nurses because, you know, I've been in the hospital right. so often between Bellevue and Maimonides and Brookdale and Kings County. You know, we go right on the line. I, I was looking at all these women. So many of them had been nurses who were taking care of me whenever I was in the casualty ward. And I see I'm thinking England already, the ICU or the ER. But it is amazing. DC 37 and 1199, where you would think I would get the worst response because they're very liberal and they totally went with Eric Adams, you know, very few. Did you have any token labor support when you ran? Uh, No. No. There was nobody who would officially endorse me. And that was fine because I realized they they were all hedging their bet. They figured Eric Adams is going to be elected mayor. They all have contracts that are due. Right. And I kept telling them. Boy, you better push to have a contract because in a year's time, our fiscal health is going to implode. You know, there are all these predictions now, Anthony, and you're well aware of this, what happens when they're already planning the budget and they already know they're going to be shortfalls. Some say $10 the controller of the city, controller of the state. I I say double that to about $20 because there's no more stimulus money. There's no more federal money. If you were in that situation... What do you do to try to plan for that? Because you got all these contracts. All these unions have contracts that are up. They all figure they helped Eric Adams. He's going to take care of them. He's not going to be able to do that, is yeah, he? Yeah, that was one of my many beefs with Mike Bloomberg. He was someone who, because of where he came from, was really independent, didn't have the support of any of these unions at all. And yet still, in the, in the ultimate kind of political hack move, kind of threw them all very generous contracts, expanded all their pension responsibilities and kind of dug us a lot of red ink for years to come. But in a way, this is why, the, in a strange way, mayors are always trying to persuade us that things are actually worse fiscally than they might really be because mm. they're really posturing for how difficult it's going to be to give Libyans. But it's been an interesting week on that front. There was also been conversation, but there are a lot of jobs we're having difficulty filling in the city. We have a problem problem finding or filling vacancies just like a lot of other people are in the job market. Some people try to say that's because of the vax, resp- the, the, the vax requirements. But um, 
but yeah, there are a lot of these contracts that are going to be coming due. When I ran for mayor in 2005, I was not expected to win. I didn't get a lot of labor support. And frankly, to a large degree, I wasn't really pursuing it in a real serious way. I would Mm. go to the interviews. I would say, I know you guys aren't going to be supporting me because you're going to support one of the front runners, Freddie Ferrer, Gifford Miller, one of the other ones. But I want you to know I'm still going to work for you, blah, blah, blah. But that gave me a certain level of independence to be able to do things like say that city employees should pay for some of their health insurance. They get it for nothing, things like that. There were a couple of exceptions. One was Stu Applebaum, the head of the RWDSU, the resale wholesale workers, yeah, supermarket uh, the, the department yeah. workers, and also the UFA, mm. a, a, a Cassidy at the time, Steve Cassidy at the time, because I had done so much work on behalf of firefighters. I got their death benefits increased, things like that. But for the most part, I had no labor support, and I found it kind of freeing. When I came back into the game and I was much more of a front runner and more people were interested in, sure. I, you know, that kind of changes a little bit. I think the, 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 the liberty that you had as a candidate to be able to basically say whatever you thought was really the right thing to do really gets cut down when you become a favor of any constituency, but particularly labor unions. Well, both, both uh, Kathy Hochul, if she gets reelected, and Eric Adams going into a second year, uh, both their controllers are telling them there are dire circumstances ahead. So yeah. you have DiNapoli on the state. And then you have the city controller, Brad Lander, saying, we are going to be in for very tough times. Every one of these civic city unions, they all had big signs. We want a contract. We want a contract. And I'm saying to myself, how are you going to give them raises? Even in negotiation, you take something away, you put something on the table. The money's not going to be there. Yeah, remember something else, though. Cost of living adjustments. Yes. Even to just say, give me cost of living plus one or whatever, however they structure these things, that's a pretty big number. Now, depending upon how our 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 funds are invested, depending upon how our pension funds are invested, like sometimes these high interest rate environments are not bad. If you've got it, if you've got money invested right, sometimes you can find yourself in something that was getting two percentage points now getting five because interest rates are rising. But yeah, it's very expensive. It, the same way it's expensive for all employers in inflationary times. Someone says to me, "Just give me a cost of living increase." That's why. You, but you know, Social Security re- recipients are getting a higher cost of living increase this year than any time in history because. Inflation plus X is going to be a lot of money. It's going to be tough for the city. Bob, next, we've got to talk about this ongoing, round-the-clock coverage of the death of Queen Elizabeth II, the coronation of her son, Charles III, the queue now, everybody moving up. There's Harry, no Markle. It's over. It's over the top. And I'm saying to myself, there are so many people here, you would act, you would think that they're like royalists. But Charles is 61. He finally has his first job. Oh, my God. And I'm one of the few to say a double oofah to all of them. Dysfunctional, decadent, debaucherous, and deadbeats because they're the biggest welfare cheats in all the world. Right here with yours truly, Curtis Lee on the right, Anthony Weiner on the left. As we uh, deal with the total saturation coverage of the monarchy and the royalists in jolly old England, right here on WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest.
What the hell is this? How come you don't have Black 47? How come you don't have Up the Rebels here? I just heard Anthony Weiner describe uh, how Queen Victoria turned her back on the Irish during the potato famine. What they call, I guess, uh, the Great Hunger. They have a big monument to Anthony downtown near the Battery to that. And how a lot of Irish will never, ever forgive the English. In fact, if you notice, in Derry and Belfast, they were cheering the death of the Queen in the streets because that's where there's always been that that conflict between, uh, at one time, the Catholics minority, the Protestants majority. Uh, there was an Irish uh, football match, soccer match. They were jeering uh, the Queen. Uh, this hate. There's a lot of hate there. Well, I mean, look, no, I mean, it's just putting things in context. Like, it's, there's a little bit of Queen washing going on or royal washing going on. I mean, th- think about the... Think about the number of African countries that were colonized. Oh. Like if, if you and this, by the way, if you just look at the period of time that Queen Elizabeth was was in her, her role, something like 50 African states, you know, were, were colonies at the time that are now countries. And you can say, oh, well, that's amazing progress. Yeah, but I'm not sure they were <laughs> that the queen was had a hand in the progress. I mean, there I, I get it. It's very hard. And we have this conversation in this country. You know, who do you who bears responsibility? Well, if you're around for 70 years, you bear some responsibility for what goes on during that time. Well, let's look way back when she was a a little lassie. We're not going to blame her because she was only six years old. But she was in the same castle in Scotland where she passed away at 96 in Scotland. And there are pictures that we see of the future king, I think it was George, uh, who was then, uh, he decided he was going to abdicate because he married the divorcee from America. But they're marching around, goose-stepping, doing Nazi salutes in the yard there. And they were very friendly with a guy named Mosley, who was the head of the black shirts, which was sort of the version of the brown shirts in Europe, allies with uh, Hitler and Mussolini. And then at the start of the war, when the Nazis with the Luftwaffe bombed Coventry, which was the industrial base north of London, I actually visited it there. Eight straight months every day, they bombed the living daylight side. There was nothing left. The royal family, through their emissaries, reached out to Adolf Hitler and said, if you succeed with your invasion, will there be a place for the royalty? And actually, he assured them through his emissaries that there will always be royalty there. But they were hedging their bets. And then there's Chamberlain, you know, hey, we're going to hunker down. And they were hunkering down. They were not to be trusted. They could just as easily have flipped uh, and become the monarchy under Adolf Hitler there in the U.K. And then your peeps, right? This is what I bring to the attention of Jews. I heard Rabbi Joe Potashnik the other day. Well, you know, great, wonderful. I said, Joe, end of the Holocaust, about 70,000 survivors begin to make the trek all the way to Palestine at that point to settle with family and friends and others. And the Brits diverted them. The Brits actually intercepted the naval traffic and then parked them in Cyprus, not on the beach, not in a hotel, but in an internment camp. The only thing that was missing was a final solution. And I learned all that from the movie, The Exodus, you know, with Paul Newman. I think it was directed by Otto Preminger. It was a great movie. I would never have learned that in school. I had to learn it from the movie. So it's it's funny. So all of this has a lot of resonance in my household. You know, Huma's parents won her father 
was India and Mom was Pakistani. The only reason they have that distinction is because of the partition plan in 1947 that the British put into place and didn't do anything to protect both any anything to kind of make it work. They, of course, were the, they had famously proposed a similar partition plan for what is now Israel uh, and what is now Jerusalem. And um, it's worth noting, as I pointed out before, it was the Israelis that said, we'll take half. That's fine. We have a lot of problems with that, but we'll take it. And it was the Arab world that said no. All of that being said, the, the, the British have a history of being an empire until things get uncomfortable and then coming up with some kind of arbitrary plan and getting the heck out of there. Um, and But oh, look, I'm, I'm reluctant to, to – to, the, 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 she seemed like a very nice lady, the queen. Um, she seemed like she was overall a force, a benign force. But this whole notion of a monarchy in the year 2022 for a lot of – but for a lot of people in Britain and a lot of people around the world, it's a bit anachronistic. One thing I don't understand is the fawning that is going on in the American media. There were more networks covering the Prince Charles speech than covered Joe Biden's red red background speech. I yes. mean, I think it's a little bit Look, over the top. Sunday will be the commemoration, 21st anniversary of the attack on 9-11. There will be more coverage of this continued sitting shiver for the Queen. 11 days. Your, your peeps yeah. only sit eight days, <laughs> and they welcome a righteous Gentile if I bring the hamantash. <laughs> this one, forget about it. And meantime, it's a bit much. Not only that, they're sitting shiver, but they're all smiling. They're out in the crowds. There's the coronation going to go on. There's the queue going on. And I'm saying to myself, but these people do nothing. Yeah. Oh, well, we do charity work. Well, with whose money? It's not their own money. And by the way... Who's the best Medici for then Prince Charles, now King Charles III, for his various charities? The Saudis. Oh, He's gone to Riyadh so many times, they give him money. I could just see them sitting there and him saying, doggone it, if only we could have been like the Saudis, you know. You've really kept the crown. You've really kept control of your country. But you got to give Queen Elizabeth credit for one thing. If I met Liz Truss and she says I'm the new prime minister, I think I might have kicked it that day too. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it it is a it is a bit much, and it seems like they've been waiting to do this for a long time. My friend Kitty actually um, texted me three hours before it became public, and she knew because they have a special. They wear black ties. All the TV presenters wear black ties on the day that they report this, and although it hadn't been made public yet, there's a protocol in place that has been written and down years ago. Anthony, having been in England, having started Guardian Angels there, I was warned over and over when I was on the BBC One, two, three, four. They have four radio networks. They have two TV networks. Uh, Mr. Sliwa, you're from America. You must realize you cannot disparage the royal family. You cannot say anything negative, or you will be banned. I said, Banned? Yeah, this, there's no free speech when it comes to the royalty here. I said, you mean the Magna Carta and everything that we've been? You cannot defame any of the royal persons. Is that is that true today? I don't know if it's true today, but I will tell you this. They're quick to cover up everything and threaten lawsuits. They threaten more lawsuits than Donald Trump does against the media. It is. It's easier to sue the media there than it is here. That's for sure. Um yeah, I, look, I, I don't want to do what I'm accusing everyone else of doing, spending too much time talking about her. We we have our own stuff. I mean, I'm sorry she's dead. I don't want anyone to be dead. But continue, considering tomorrow, September 11th, I think I'm pretty much over my mourning for the Queen. All right, but 
when all is said and done, tomorrow's coverage, will there be more in this country of the continuing shiver for the queen, or will there be more about what happened in 9-11? I agree with you. I think you're right. I think we're going to still be in queen in queen mania, queen phobia uh, uh, tomorrow at this time. Well, one thing I like about the Brits is when you're in Parliament and this new prime minister is going to find out, you have to take on the royal opposition, the backbenchers, and they debate, debate, debate. I love that. And there actually is a cult following in the United States when whoever's prime minister has to watch him or her, in this case, defend the majority versus the minority. GMQ, we call it. Prime Minister's Questions. Right. Yeah. I love that. We don't have that here, but we have debates. And all the candidates, any candidates who are perceived of as being ahead in their races, according to the polls, do everything to avoid debates. Anthony, uh, let's go back in the time machine up next. Uh, when you were running for your various offices, what was the debate structure? Uh, was it optional? Was it required? And why is it not required now in all of these really high-profile contests where we see whoever's ahead in the race playing dodgeball? Right here on left versus right, if you missed any of uh, Anthony Weiner's 25th straight program in the middle, you can catch it on podcast at WABCRadio.com. And also, he offers tremendous uh, solutions that he himself would have put into effect if he had become mayor of the city of New York. How can you uh, opt key, into that? Keys to the City, episode 10.0. It's a train wreck this week, but... I urge you to tune in every Thursday, Keys to the City Drive. Well, I'm going to pimp off for some of that, that's for sure. I've been listening to it and taking meticulous notes, Anthony. Hopefully it's not trademarked and copyrighted. Just think of me as the red Chinese stealing your (laughs) intellectual property right here at WABC. Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. What the hell is this? London calling. He, they're doing it right this time. This is the Clash. London calling. Have any of the surviving members of the Clash weighed in on the death of the Queen? Because I can't imagine they said anything nice. God bless the Queen and her fascist regime. Yes. Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols. And uh, by the way, I will be playing a audio tonight of two very famous TV stars. 30 years ago, who did that song, 30 years ago in Canada, one of them was John Candy. Try to figure out who the other was. They probably did not want it. Well, John Candy passed away. They probably did not want this to surface. But it is as defamatory towards the Queen as any song that I've heard. I applaud it. I I listened to it over and over. I loved it. Really? That's guy. That's that's the sex pistols tonight. Tonight. No, no. Oh, no, I, oh, I tonight. To take Got off. it. Okay. It's a takeoff from enough. twelve midnight to six in the morning. I'm one of the few here who has taken the total opposite viewpoint towards the Queen and the royal family. But uh, we did praise the Brits in terms of what goes on in the House of Commons. Notice they call it Commons. But every week, Prime Minister, whoever she or he is. 
Got to get out there. We saw Tony Blair. He was good at it. Boris Johnson with the hair flying in all directions. And obviously the new prime minister, she's going to get her uh, uh, crack at dealing with the royal opposition. And they go back and forth. Now, my father, Anthony, is an Illinois guy, grew up in Chicago. So he taught me all about Abraham Lincoln. And he said, you know, Lincoln had seven debates with Douglas. Douglas was already the U.S. senator in Illinois, Democrat. Lincoln was challenging Republican. I said, seven debates, Dad? He said, yeah, all over Illinois, three hours. Place was packed. Remember, no amplification. So people were, like, pushing. It was like hearing... uh, uh, Menachem Schneerson, when he'd be giving, uh, right. you know, service at uh, Lubavitch. Uh, right, sure. Right, right. Everyone pressing together. And I said, but Dad, why would the, 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 the guy who's already Senator Douglas at that time agree to seven debates? He said, because he wanted to keep talking to a crowd. And then the media would print it, the newspapers. That if Abraham Lincoln is elected pre- now, uh, U.S. Senator of Illinois, he will allow free slaves to vote and he will allow black men to marry white women. And believe it or not, he said that was a, a winning strategy because initially Lincoln was ahead in what you could call polling at that time. But Douglas kept hammering him. He won the debates. He won the Senate race. But Lincoln went on to become the Republican well, candidate was, and run for president. I mean, first of all, if I, we we dedicated a whole episode of the middle to the way the British do government. There are a lot of things, you know, and I made the argument, a lot of things they do we would really like. Can you imagine Ronald Reagan standing before Congress? Can you imagine Eric Adams standing before the city council? Sure. You know, that would really, I mean, that would be great. It would be great TV. It would also be, you'll make them uh, better. I'll, on- I'll give you one thing that I saw. Henry Cisneros, who was thought might become the first Latino president, graduated Harvard, uh, Mayor of San Antonio was uh, made the chairman of HUD when Bill Clinton right. was uh, the president and then uh, had a personal falling out. He lied to the uh, FBI about his gumada at that time, and whoosh, he got washed out. But when I visited San Antonio to organize, he was supportive of us. He said, Curtis, you got to come to the bullpen. I said, what's the bullpen? Once a month, whoever's the mayor sits in the middle of what they call a town hall forum, and all the community groups are very civic-oriented. Yeah, yeah. Get to take shots at me. And I got to be prepared, not knowing what the questions are, I got to be quick on my feet. I said, really? I've never heard of anything like that. He goes, it's the toughest part of this job. That's the way things should operate. I agree. Look, I've always had a different take on this. I remember, and I've shared it with you on the show before, after Obamacare uh, was passed, and they weren't calling it that. And when I was calling it on TV, my Democratic colleagues were criticizing me because, like, that's what the Republicans were calling. Now everyone wants to call it Obamacare. The advice was given in a formal way by our speaker at the time, Nancy Pelosi, lay low. We're going into re-election 2010. We're going to get swamped. It was a year very similar to this, that the out party was very animated, and Obamacare was very unpopular. And and, and and Nancy's famously said, you'll understand what's in it once we act. You know, once, she was kind of right in retrospect. What she was trying to say is once it becomes law and you realize how good it is, you're going to like it anyway. And I told my staff, no way. I want to argue about this. I knew it really well because I had helped write the bill. And we did, I think, 17 town hall meetings all around in a pretty tough district. And the same thing happened later that year when I was up for reelection against a guy named Bob Turner, nice guy, conservative guy. Actually, he helped launch the career of Rush Limbaugh, interestingly. Yeah, and not only that, I supported him against you. 
And they had all these signs, Turner, and I thought it was for him. It's Turner Construction. Yeah, it was different. But but he was, I, you know, he wanted debates, yeah. just like you say. But I also said, heck, I don't mind this. Remember, I was teeing up the idea of running for mayor again in yeah. 2013. Yeah. And so last thing I want to do is seem like I'm ducking this guy, plus the idea of me. Stand- I was very used to talking about these issues. Plus, for me... It was it's a scene like I kind of I got to I got to walk the walk here. I got to walk the walk. But there's no doubt that right now all kinds of candidates are getting advice not to debate. Hochul being advised that why you debate someone you're not that good at it. Zeldin is more practiced. You got a 15 point lead. Duck him as long as you can. Fetterman leading in Pennsylvania just came out with a stroke. Reading some of the reasons he's not doing it. It seems like he can't hear or talk one or the other. So he's ducking debates. There seems to be a thing, and and you pointed out in the introduction why the Lincoln-Douglas debates happened is because both sides thought it was in their interest. Yes. The leading guy thought, I want this guy to talk more. The insurgent guy says, I'm, I'm Abe Lincoln. <laughs> this is what I do is I talk. So it has to be something well, like that. Well, I'll give that. you an example. DeSantis, who, let's face it, some people are saying, if Trump's not the guy, DeSantis will be the guy for the Republicans. He's challenged by perpetual candidate Charlie Crist. Charlie Crist has been everything to everyone at one point in his political life. He's been a Democrat. He's been an independent. He's a Republican. Uh, He wanted, obviously, more debates because in the polls, he's trailing in the polls. Right. Right now, DeSantis will only give him one debate. Now, I don't understand why the states can't impose rules. If you're going to run for office... They have to be, I would say, five debates, and each debate has a theme, a subject theme. Now, you can go into ancillary uh, things, but you cannot have debates, 30 seconds, minute, minute and a half answers. What are you going to do about the economy? You couldn't even talk about balancing your own personal checkbook in 30 seconds or a minute and a minute and a half. And it's got to be more of a discussion. Well, I think that's right, and you learned firsthand, and I learned it as well, to make it even worse, the reporters want to preen and everything else. They want to show how smart they are by asking these intricate questions that have nine parts and everything else. And then they interrupt you if you're not answering the way they would like. Yeah, debates are not great in our country, I believe. I believe there should be a couple of things they do. One, they should sit down and, like, get the idea we're going to sit here and talk to each yeah. other. And the moderator should have a real clock on themselves. Like, you really can't get involved. Let them have a discussion. Because what happens if one person violates the rules or seems like they're not letting the other person speak. It's like Trump Biden, that Trump wound up losing that debate just because he wouldn't shut up and was seen like he was rude and overbearing, not even on the substance. So I think it self-regulates a little bit. But here's the problem with your solution. You can't tell someone what they can say, and you also don't have to tell them they have to say words at all. They have a right not to say stuff. So to say as a requirement of running for office, you have to stand up on a stage and have a debate or two debates or three debates. The only reason it works in New York City is there's a incentive. They say if you want to get public financing, you've got to, and you want to participate and get taxpayer money, here are the rules you have to abide and by, this is, including a debate. This is eventually going to happen in the state of New York. I think the next election cycle, they're going to have campaign financing where you get matchable funds. But still, there's no reason. I mean, look, in the presidential run, we fund the parties. Third parties don't get funded by the taxpayers. Basically, they have a license to pick our pockets to have their conventions, to basically have their message go out there. Wait a minute. How do taxpayers pay for that? We pay for their conventions. No, we don't. Yes, we do. We don't pay for the root party conventions. Oh, hell yes, we do. You think that's all money raised by the DNC or the RNC? Yeah. 
I, 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 tend, I tend to disagree with you. We'll have, we'll have to go to, as, as Warner Wolf would I mean, say, look, we'll have to go like to the video probably, There's probably some ancillary costs, you know, protecting the president while he's there and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when we would, when I was a member of Congress, I was buying for buying a hotel room and I was go, yeah, that's basically the Democratic Party. That's why one of the first things you've got to do when you want to win the right to have the thing, you've got to show that you've got, a, you've got deep pockets of sponsors who are going to pay, who are going to pay whatever bills. But putting that aside for a moment, there is the whole question of do voters care? I know there's an expectation in presidential campaigns that we expect. It. It's kind of like a sporting event. That's why they get such high ratings. Every four years we get to watch that. It's a, if there's no Hochul-Zeldin debate, a grand total of two people in this room might care, but zero people out on third oh, Avenue I, I would, would disagree. Do you think they care? I would disagree. You like to size up people. You like to see them on a stage in which you get to look at them, see how they handle themselves. Look at Zeldin. He almost came apart in those debates. He had to do a few debates against his Republican opponents. There was Wilson, who got under his skin. There was Astorino. There right, was but no one watched. Well, I wouldn't say nobody watched. Uh, but I would say to all of a sudden suggest that an incumbent doesn't have to debate, what an advantage that is. No, I agree as a value. I believe all candidates, if they will, if they expect if it's too hot in that kitchen, yes. they should not be whatever the expression. If it's too hot in the debate, that they're not ready to be a governor. Get that. But I think, but I don't. I don't get a sense that citizens care that much. I also, be honest with you, don't get a sense that people are paying attention to this gubernatorial race all that much at all. Yeah, but you see, if we don't create an atmosphere of saying to people it is important. These are like people who are would, investing your money on Wall Street. You fair. would be calling your stockbroker every day. Hey, pal, what happened? I see my portfolio went down. We're investing tax dollars in these folks. And all of a sudden, we're acting like we don't have any say in this? That's fair. Again, you're investing the tax dollars. I disagree with that. We could always check that. But the the more the, the, they should want to. I think it says something about candidates who are trying to game it out that, okay, I don't need to, therefore I won't. Well, it's prevent defense. Because, right. And it leaves out one question about what would be good for our civic life it would be good to have these things debated that would be good so if you want to say well my consultant thinks i shouldn't do it i'm trying to not make mistakes i want to get elected i get all that i i was i did tactical things all the time but to be honest i would hope that someone who wants to be the governor says it is in the interest of our civic debate another thing i i don't think zeldin's a particularly good debater I mean, he's got more practice, but I don't think he's a particularly good debater. I don't think he did very well. I, I saw Andrew Giuliani the other day at the dinner. I said I thought he won most of those debates because yeah. I thought he did a really good job. Um, and, and Zeldin, I think, got a little hot under the collar. Well, and- you can't do that with uh, Hochul. You can't do that with a woman. Yeah, remember, that happened uh, That happened when Hillary was going to run against Rudy. Rudy was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He had to bow out. That would have been a heavyweight championship match. I think, I think Rudy wanted out, but all right, go ahead. But that definitely would have been uh, great to be. And then Mark Lazio, get, uh, Mark Lazio, Rick. Uh, Rick Lazio gets in, and he does the famous thing where he, he walks across the stage with some pledge about not accepting PAC money, and it came across very badly for him. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's a little bit less than it is now. You know, now that we're getting so comfortable seeing women be on stage, this whole idea you've got to handle them with kid gloves might be different now. But a more important thing is that Kathy Hochul, generally speaking, is not viewed negatively or positively, but is not viewed as a villainous person. So if 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 um, if Zeldin is going to try to make her seem that way. But getting back to the central point, I agree with you. I think I would like to see more debates. 
I would like. I think that would be entertaining, and also you would learn stuff. I don't really know a lot about Zelda. I've had. I have not heard him defend his position on 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 on, on decertifying the election when when you know basically. Well, he'll he'll be asked you know, that in a debate. But just right. imagine if there were no debates, he could dodge that question. Correct. And Correct. obviously, Hochul can dodge questions about. Uh, donors, you know, those uh, right. who are part of Ornado. She wants to redo all of the Penn Station area. There's this question now. She retrieved $300,000 in bundle contributions from a New Jersey firm uh, that was uh, selling products that cost us $13, whereas normal companies were selling it to us for $5. All kind, oh, Many of the things that we criticized contracting-wise that went on the Cuomo administration had continued or happened worse in the Hochul administration. I get that that's all... All fair. Remember what Cuomo used to do. Cuomo would demand that all the third parties that he eventually whacked participate in the one debate. And remember the classic debate, him versus crazy man Carl Palladino, who left the stage, went to the bathroom, locked himself in the bathroom. You had the madam who was running on the libertarian line. Then you had the... Well, the mad- explain what you mean. The- she was literally... She ran a bordello, yes. right, or something like yeah, that? Madam, yeah, She was Roger Stone's candidate. Right, that's right. Then you have the rent is too high to pay. Remember the guy with the handlebar mustache? I ran against him, too. You had a number of characters, but the main two, right, in the middle of the debate, Carl Palladino decides to go to the bathroom, locks himself in the bathroom, can't get out. Right, that's the other thing that goes on, that people want to have, you know, the... The, 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 they, they want to leave their opponent as little time to talk as possible. They don't really care who else is talking. They just don't want their main opponent to have that much time to talk. I think it'll be fun. Look, they'll eventually have at least one, right? Have, have they agreed to at least one now, well, uh, Zeldin and uh, Hochul? Be, not, not yet, but you know there'll be at least one. There should at least be two. I would have five. I would. All these races, you should have mandatory five, and every one of them should have a theme. One's the economy, crime. Or or have them geographically divided up. You do one well, on Long Island, one in the city, yes. one upstate, something like that. I, that's the that's a great idea. I don't think until you have a an incentive where they have to say, unless you do this, we are gonna take away the X, you know, take away money if campaign finance for, or something like that. That's not going to I don't think it's practical to require people. It's the same conversation, by the way, around mandatory voting. Like, can you require people to involve themselves in a civic way that you would hope they'd want to do anyway? Um, but like I, Australia, Australia, where they say you have to vote. There are places, yeah. There, there, there are places. Now, there are places that have mixed results. There are people. There are a lot of places. You know that usually where you have mandatory voting, they give you a chance to vote for none of the above. So you can just show up, hit the X, and then leave. I'm not sure I support any any of those things. But you you make a good point. In the meantime. Zeldin's going to get squashed in this thing. This is a 15-point runaway election. There was that one bogus poll that came out that made us think that maybe something else was going on. But another poll came out this week that showed a 15-point margin. There were a Democratic state. I'm not persuaded that the way Zeldin, the way Zeldin is running this race, making it all about, you know, all about crime and all about inflation. Remember, there's a lot of other issues. I think that he should have his own. He should have much more policy-heavy platform. Maybe borrow some of Wilson's ideas, perhaps. Um, you got to be. If you're going to be a Democrat, you have to be a, a Republican. Rather, you have to be a fairly moderate one here. And I think being a, going about to corruption is not a bad a, a bad thing to do. But the smart thing that he did, trying to decertify the election, smart from the Republican primary perspective, it's a killer. Now it's a killer. We will soon see. We are now in the sprint towards November eighth. When we come back, we have to take uh, the pulse of your team, the New York Mets. 
And my team, the New York Yankees, that celebrated Derek Jeter last night. Talk about monarchy. His entrance into the Hall of Fame. And, oh, he was peefing that there was this one Major League Baseball writer that didn't write him in so that he could have had a full sweep of all the writers like Mariano Rivera had. What a spoiled brat. Right here on Left versus Right. If you missed any of Anthony Weiner's show on his own, it was his 25th show in the middle. Just go to WABCRadio.com for all your pod- podcasting needs. That's WABCRadio.com. Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Let's go. All right, Anthony, uh, let's go with the Mets first. Um, they had a real old-timers game, so I give them credit for doing the right thing. But uh, things are looking a little wobbly here. Uh, Anthony, uh, your aces, uh, what's wrong with the rotator cuffs? What, what's going on here? Or I got to tell you, when we, when we got done with the Subway Series, it was supposed to be this easy streak. We had the Washington Nationals. We had the Pittsburgh Pirates. We had the Marlins. It was supposed to be, we were supposed to get fat on those teams, and instead, not so much. But at least it's not the dumpster fire you got there in the Bronx. I mean, Aaron Hicks can't catch a cold right now. You see, he has two horrible errors. Oh, my God. First of all, Hicks has got to go. And Aaron Boone keeps going back to Hicks, Hicks. Uh, All they do is play home run ball. There's no sense of, let's play normal baseball. They have some of the players to do that. They're all swinging for the fences. The only one who's been successful so far with that is Judge. And they're not going to make it into the playoffs. I'm telling you as Well, it's not very good. If you're not going to play defense, you're not going to play station-to-station baseball. But that was clever. They were chanting Joey Gallo at him last night. I thought it was pretty clever. And, you know, baseball is one of those sports... Other sports, you get you can get benched in a fairly obvious way. It's only between innings that you got to get benched in baseball. No one actually pulls you out. You do something in hockey, you'll see the guy starts to move further and further down the bench because he's not he's not playing. Um, but all that being said, they're both both teams are going to be all right. Every every season, it's the same. You you are not going to play seven fifty baseball or whatever they were doing. Uh, it's going to work out. They're going to be. I mean, they're both making it interesting. Atlanta's been sticking around. I mean, Atlanta's a good team. They've Tampa, been sticking around. Tampa, but you know, Tampa is, is hanging around. You know, Toronto's stick, also sticking around. There. But the the Yankees, I would agree with you. Structurally speaking, at least with the with the Mets, you know, they got Scherzer is is hurting a little bit. Alonso hit a home run last night. But with the with the Yankees, it does seem structurally that there's something wrong. If like Judge the doesn't hit a home run, nothing happens. Right. But I will tell you this: last night, Derek Cheetah night. Because of him being accepted into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, mumbling, boy, there was one Major League Baseball writer who left me off the ballot. You know, they didn't give me the full sweep that Mariano Rivera got. Everything's always about Cheetah. He never showed up for this old-timers day in Yankee Stadium. Didn't show up for the retirement of Paul O'Neill's number, a valued teammate. Everything about Cheetah is always about Cheetah. 
And I say a double oofah to number two. He hasn't aged well since he's left. Also, I don't like what he did with the Marlins. I'm not a big Marlin fan. He sold them all off. But he went down there. They put, He served to be the nice face as they dismembered that team. Yeah, I'm not a big Jeter fan. You know, there's this idolatry. It happened with the Kennedys, the Camelot story, the royalty that we're seeing. And with Derek Jeter, as if he were Yankee royalty. Not. 